Hey everyone, PK here. Now, this episode is going to be remarkable because I can tell you no one does this. <laughs> no one in property circles goes back to their predictions a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and tells you whether they were right or wrong. Well, even before that, no one actually gives property predictions down to the suburb level. Now, I've done that every single year for more than five or six years. And in this episode, I'm going to be actually playing for you a episode on YouTube that I did back in January 2021. Okay, so about 18 months ago. And you might be thinking, well, this is hardly relevant. I'm not going to listen to this episode, you know, waste the time, but, you know, bear with me. This episode is going to achieve two things for you. One is it's going to give you the way or style of thinking and the specific data points that I use to predict property performance down to the suburb level. And B, or number two, it's going to tell you the exact suburbs, because this episode told you, it's going to tell you the exact suburbs that I predicted would do the best in Sydney. And so you can do your own homework, right? You can do your own homework and say, well, was PK right? Was PK wrong? I can tell you, no one does this. I feel that accountability is very important. If I'm, you know, pretending to be a property expert, I better actually be an expert. All right. So if you can go through this episode and not only learn how to find these good suburbs, but B, see that they were actually right and find the capital growth performance. Bear in mind, you know, a year, two years ago, no one predicted this boom. And you'll find that, you know, I'll just put on my my big head for a second. I actually did. And this is proof of it you know, then you can replicate that type of thinking, that type of data to the now. Because right now we're in that same state where we were almost two years ago where people were thinking the world is caving in and yet, you know, people made a lot of money in property. So it's a bit of a throwback, but it's not there for nostalgia. It's there for education. It's there for accountability. And it's there to equip you with the tools so that you can make these same types of predictions today. Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name is PK and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights, or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence, and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. So first of all, before I go into the exact suburbs that are actually poised for growth, and many of them are already growing, I just want to talk about a little bit um, why 2021 is actually going to be really, really strong. Now, of course, it's a bit biased, right? I'm in the property game. I'm trying to convince you to buy property. But here, these are genuine reasons. And, and stick with me. And if you disagree, just let me know in the comments section and we can have a bit of a discussion. The idea is not for me to preach. The idea is for me to educate Okay, so I'm going to tell you the exact suburbs. So here's why overall across Australia, I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely think that 2021 is going to be as good as 2016 or 2017 or right at the end of that sort of last spell in the market at an aggregate level where property prices did fantastic. 
Okay, so it's going to be a bit of a rough and dirty type video because I've got my um, computer right here and I'm going to be looking at it a lot, talking about the suburbs, talking about the data. I want to teach you the why to a large extent, not just the what. But here are the sort of five or six reasons that property price is actually going to do really, really well. Okay, so the number one reason is that expats are returning. Okay, I mean, I'm in the business. I'm not a buyer's agent, but I help people. There are so many, so many, so many expats, whether in Dubai, the US, the UK, that are just coming back home to Australia, or they're taking their money out of these sort of more volatile areas because of the virus back to Australia. As much as we think the virus is bad in Sydney and Melbourne, it's actually not compared to the rest of the world. So I'm seeing a massive influx of this type of expat money and these guys are buying up more so than they have been in the last five years. The second reason that we tend to forget is actually that interest rates are still very low. It's not like interest rates are going to rise probably for the next three to four years, if not longer. And this really puts a nice pressure. I mean, you guys are probably feeling it. I mean, tell me if you've got $50,000, $70,000, $100,000 in your offset account or in your bank account doing nothing. That is painful, right? It's actually going backwards. So if you're feeling it, hundreds of thousands of Australians are feeling it. And that's why they want to get into real estate. Bitcoin and stock market, fantastic. Made a lot of money, but people in this country still gravitate towards real estate. Number three reason why 2021 is going to be fantastic for real estate is that, you know, the the capital growth rates for the housing market on average, on aggregate, have been very timid for the last four years. That can't continue. The way that statistics, I mean, nerds like me, we, we look at regression analysis, that sort of rate of slumber growth across the nation doesn't typically last for more than four to five years. Now, I'm not saying everywhere is going to boom, but on average, it has to start increasing at a faster rate than it has been in the last three years. And I'm not saying that last three years, there's no money to be made. We've made hundreds of thousands of dollars. It depends on where you buy, but I'm talking averages here. Okay, so the average growth rate in Australia is 7%. It hasn't been that for the last two, three, four years. It has to at some point kick back up there. That's how statistics works. That's how averages work. All right, so the fourth reason why 2021 is going to be great is that, you know, kind of over the COVID period, a lot of property markets that have been rising and, and uh, suburbs, local government areas that have been, um, I wouldn't say booming, but, you know, being very, very healthy is predominantly because of owner occupiers, first home buyers predominantly. All right. So a lot of first home buyers saw the opportunity. Property prices aren't increasing so much. Let's jump in. Investors were a bit timid. There's various reasons. I've talked about that in previous videos. But now investors are starting to see the light. They're starting to, to ride the wave. You know, if you're a surfer, you're waiting for the right wave. You know, every seven, seventh wave, every tenth wave. You're not just getting on your board for any old wave. You're waiting. The same thing is that what large scale investors do. The majority of investors are going to wait till property prices start increasing. And that is now happening. And that is why 2021, you'll see investors more and more so jump into the market where they've been on the sidelines for the last maybe two, three, four years. Number five is the economic recovery. Now, I know everyone talks about um, JobKeeper coming in to an end in, in March or quarter two 2021. 
The reality is that most of the businesses that have gone bust have already gone bust. I don't know if that made sense. Most of the businesses that were going to fail because of COVID have already failed. The second JobKeeper stimulus measure was very, very selective. It wasn't just to anyone and everyone. So anyone who's still on that really, really, really needed it. And it's a much smaller proportion of businesses. But that, you know, kind of notwithstanding that, the other reason people say that um, the economy is going to go off a cliff in March, much like they said in July and then September, um, and it didn't, um, is because of delinquencies. The banks have given a six-month buffer on mortgage repayments, and that um, grace period is ending in, I think, March. And so what everyone's saying is when that grace period ends, you know, everyone's going to forfeit, default on their loans. But hey, only 7% of people, don't quote me on that number, I think it's 7%, might be 10%, something. Either way, an immaterial, let's say 7% of people who actually availed the loan deferral scheme are still on the loan deferral scheme. So everyone's basically off it, okay? So sure, if there's some people that, uh, that do um, default on their loans, it's not like the majority of the population and it's predominantly going to be in more volatile areas, which we're not investing in anyway. And the, the last reason, number six, why 2021 is going to be fantastic is because lending rules. So the legislation, it's not yet passed, but um, responsible government, sorry, responsible lending laws, it's a bit of an ironic name, um, responsible lending laws are being relaxed. That doesn't mean they're be becoming irresponsible. They're just putting the onus back on you and me investors to make the decision. Can we afford to borrow or not? As opposed to overly stringent bank um, investigations and, and sort of, you know, uh, uh, tightness or strictness. So what that's going to mean, it's not, it doesn't mean that everyone gets a low doc loan like some people are saying. It doesn't mean we go into what the US went through before the GFC with everyone's getting a loan. It's like, you know, you have one, you have one, you have one. That's not how it's going to be. It's going to be relaxed, which is good for property markets, but it's still going to be responsible. Um, so these are, I mean, there's so many reasons, but these are six reasons on an aggregate level why 2021 will see Perth prices go up, we'll see Darwin prices go up, we'll see Brisbane prices go up, we'll see Sydney prices go up, we'll see Adelaide prices go up, we'll see Hobart prices go up, and may see Melbourne prices go up, <laughs> okay? And by the way, every single capital city is already going up for the last two quarters or the last quarter and a half. So that shouldn't come as a surprise, but as you have always heard me say, the biggest gains are not made by investors who put a blindfold on and invest willy-nilly based on what they've heard other people doing based on what they've read in 20-year-old books. The best investors are clinical. They're precise. And that's what I'm going to tell you exactly on this video, where exactly to invest in Sydney to make massive, massive, massive gains. And I'm going to put my reputation on the line because I'm actually going to share with you some suburbs. And if any of these suburbs don't grow, I don't know, this isn't like a bet, but I would be so disappointed in myself. So I'm going to actually give away the secrets. Here's exactly where you should be investigating further to invest for capital growth, pretty significant capital growth in Sydney in 2021. And here's the thing. Most of these areas have already started their gains. In fact, the bottom was around March, April time 2020, which is ironic because that's where the coronavirus started. 
but that's a fact. Most of these suburbs bottomed out mid to early last year, and actually the growth is just going to pick up, not quite a hockey stick, but it's going to pick up in, in 2021. All of these suburbs are under 800,000, so affordable, you know, from a Sydney perspective. However, I wouldn't personally invest in many of these suburbs with my specific strategy because none of these suburbs are going to give you positive cash flow at a 90 or 100% LVR. That's just not possible in Sydney um, without doing development and things like that. So the three areas that you want to be looking at in Sydney, uh, Penrith, are um, not Mount Druitt, but just around Mount Druitt, and then sort of near Campbelltown, sort of um, south of Liverpool. Okay, but that is not enough information. That's what you're going to hear on podcasts. Oh, yeah, you know, affordable. Blah, 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 blah. That sort of information is not good enough for you to actually make a sound business decision. And property investing is a business. So I'm going to tell you the exact suburbs that you want to look at. And why do I think these suburbs are good? Well, they're good based on metrics, and I'm looking at my computer screen now, based on the shape um, of the typical value in those suburbs in the last year or two. Just like technical trading in the stock market, we want to see the right shapes, the, the right types of signals in history in the growth trajectory for us to know it will continue or whether it's had enough and it will come down. Um, but that said, Past growth doesn't guarantee future growth. That's why we want to be very clinical with our chart analysis. The second thing is days on market. All of these suburbs are experiencing reduced days on market. Not going to give away my secrets in terms of regressions and thresholds and things and coefficients, but suffice to say, these suburbs are really good. Online search interest ratio is going through the roof in terms of um, these suburbs. Uh, stock on market on the supply side, stock is very, very, very low. If you're trying to buy in these suburbs, it's hard. Now, I know that's a bit of a counterintuitive thing, but we want it to be hard. That means supply is limited, demand is strong. That means the suburb is imbalanced. It's not at equilibrium. Demand is more than supply. It'll go up in price. It already is. Vacancy rates, which everyone talks about, that's just a hygiene fact. I'm not even going to look into that too much. Gross rental yields... Um, obviously not great in these suburbs, but the good thing is rents are maintaining themselves. It's prices that are going up. That's why yields are going down. Average vendor discounting, that has been reducing in these suburbs, you know, well below 5%, which is what we want to see. Um, and other things as well, like building approvals, like job advertisements, a whole bunch of factors. There's about 30 to 35 factors that I teach in a system, but here's the essence of, of that analysis for Sydney. So here we go. Around that Penrith area, you want to be looking at places like Warrington County, Warrington County 2747. So this is um, sort of northeast of Penrith towards um, uh, Mount Druitt, towards Marsden Park. Really nice sort of built up suburb, very fundamental suburb um, in terms of, you know, just a, a good type of property, you know, brick and tile, you know, 20, 30, 35 years old, maybe even like 20 years old, um, a really good solid investment for your portfolio. Another suburb that you want to check out uh, north of Penrith is Cranebrook. Now, you want to be careful a little bit with the developable land supply up north, but it has a good school, um, and this is a nice area as well. And I don't mean nice in terms of shops and stuff like that. All I'm talking about is the data. I don't really care what the shops are like or what the parks are like any none of that stuff gives us short-term growth 
Okay, if all that was important was shops, schools, parks, train lines, bus stops, you know, leafy streets, if all that was important, then why don't, don't those suburbs grow all the time? Okay, they don't. The data is what leads us there. So based on some of the data factors that I talked to, to you about before, um, Cranebrook is also another one that, that you should be looking at. South Penrith. Now, you know, put, put aside your preconceptions or predispositions around the social demographic and the socioeconomic status of suburbs. That as well has very, very, very little, if not no statistical correlation with short term capital growth. Just look like just look at Mount Druid, um, you know, six years ago. It's boomed. It's almost doubled. It has doubled. And it's not exactly the, the most posh area. It's not like you see, um, you know, Alfa Romeo is driving around there. Um, shout out to Martin. Um, so South Penrith is also a good one that you'll see um, doing remarkably well. And let's just deep dive on South Penrith. So I, once again, you can understand why I'm saying this stuff. So South Penrith, if I look at the typical value, it's risen by $100,000 since September 2019. $100,000 since September 2019. And you're sitting here, I don't know if you are, but you're probably listening to me and thinking, but hang on, hasn't the property market been terrible in the last year or year and a half? Hasn't Sydney been going backwards? Hasn't coronavirus meant that nothing is growing? Hasn't coronavirus meant that vacancy has risen, prices have dropped? No. All, all sort of myths that the media put out there. I'll do a whole separate thing on, on the media. Um, but, you know, now South Penrith is back at its level um, kind of two years ago. It's, it dropped 100, now it's gained 100. Ideally, if you followed the data, you would have bought it a year ago. But, hey... You know, we are where we are. So so that's a, a good one in terms of South Penrith and online search interest ratios above 2,000. 2,000 clicks for every property for sale. Now, that is de driving demand. Days on market, it's not taking more than three weeks to sell a place. And that has halved in the last six to 12 months. Um, average vendor discounting. It has been going up a little bit, but it's still well under 5%, which is what we like. A little bit of discounting is fine, um, but we don't want it to be too much. I don't look at auction clearance rates, though. That's uh, not an important metric at all. So if you look at auction clearance rates, let me tell you, I've done the statistical regression analysis. It has no correlation to capital growth by itself. So we talked about South Penrith. The other one, um, sort of east of Penrith, is Cambridge Park. So once again, I don't know if how many of you have made a lot of money in the last boom around this area, but you know we certainly did, and this area is primed for, I wouldn't say that kind of 2014, 15, 16 boom, but it's definitely gonna, definitely gonna go up. We just need to be careful, though, at a Sydney level about, about uh, supply. So right now the building approvals look okay, but if prices start increasing too much, I think the councils are gonna come in start allowing rezoning, allowing so many townhouses to be built, farms to be cut down. So you need to be very careful about that. Um, so I'm not telling you this is exactly where you should invest, but this is the specific areas that you should deep dive more and do your due diligence with respect to calling council, building approvals, developable land supply, all that kind of good stuff. Now, so that was kind of the Penrith area. Hopefully that was making a lot of sense. And now let's go towards more sort of the... Um, 
Erskine Park, Mount Druitt area, and Habersham. Habersham's a really, really, um, I wouldn't say nice area, but from an investment perspective, not a bad area at all. So, so it's just sort of south of Mount Druitt. Um, this area is going to do really, really well, according to the data. I was talking to a, a client last night. We were talking about Plumpton. Now, Plumpton's a really nice area, actually. It's worth living in. It's, it's not a bad place. Great for first homeowners and, and great for sort of people looking to buy their, their own house to, to live in, but also from an investment perspective. So oftentimes I talk about Venn diagrams. If you want to buy to live, but you want to invest with an investment mindset so you can draw equity out, start your investment portfolio, then don't just buy with your heart, buy with your mind. So imagine a, a series of suburbs that you'd love to live in, a series of suburbs that make good sense from an investment perspective, combine them, see where that combination is, see where that intersection is. That makes for smart buying with your heart and your head. Okay, so that you can actually start an investment portfolio and Plumpton's a really good example. I think actually those are the those are the two sort of big, big areas that that I'm seeing strength around the Mount Druitt area in terms of the data. And so the third area in Sydney that, that was that is going to do quite well and there's a huge cluster of strength. You know, what we want to see in the data, not vacancy rates, not yields, not historical growth. But all the other data factors that I speak about, what you want to see is not just one suburb showing strength, but a cluster of, of, of suburbs showing strength. And that is exactly what we're seeing in and around Campbelltown. Now, once again, a, a favorite of investors from the last boom, Campbelltown made a lot of people millionaires, including me. I, I wasn't there, unfortunately. Um, but once again, there's, there's like half a dozen or so suburbs in and around Campbelltown kind of north of it, east of it, west of it. So when you find that more than one uh, suburb is showing strength, what that means is that people can't just go to the cheaper suburb if this one, if they're priced out of this one. If all of them are rising, if all of them are showing strength, then and if they want to live in that generic area, they need to up their ante, they need to pay more. That creates price growth, okay? That is the secret of price growth. Pressure, like a pressure cooker. We want to see that whistle blowing. And that whistle is the metaphor for data. The data is definitely, definitely, definitely blowing for around Campbelltown. So Ruse, it's been a, let's pick on Ruse actually. I'm just gonna dig into the data a little bit. I've been talking about Ruse for a while actually. And for people that have been interested in buying in Sydney, you, you know that I've been talking about it for a while, grown by $90,000 since the start of last year. So in 12 months, grown by $90,000. The suburb is a $600,000 suburb. So you could have got in here for about 500 a year ago and made $100,000 while everyone around you was barking coronavirus. You would have made 100G. Okay, and this is what the data really allows us to do. I'm tr trying not to be extravagant or don't think this is hyperbole. I'm looking at the data right in front of me and, and so can you. And once again, it's predictable. Days on market has just fallen off a cliff. Its demand has uh, gained so much strength in the last year. Same with online. So everything that I've just talked about, everything is basically perfect in, in this suburb. Uh, the reliability of the data is actually really good as well. Enough listings um, for the data to have some fidelity. Because we fo I focus so much on data, you know, it's, if the data isn't reliable, if, if it's sketchy, then it can't comment at all. 
but so this suburb's actually really good. You know, once again, the yield is low. It's not positive cash flow, but I can tell you if all you want is growth, it's, it's right there in front of you. St. Andrews on the other side, you know, similar sort of story, larger blocks, very small suburb around Campbelltown. I don't know how to pronounce this one. L-E-U-M-E-A-H, Lemo, Lemire, Lemo. I don't know how, how to pronounce that one. I've never lived there, but once again, right in the middle of Ruse and St. Andrews. Eagle Vale, a little bit north of, of Campbelltown. Preston's, which is, um, you know, probably well, well above Campbelltown, you go up past Minto, past Ingleburn, where I did a, a renovation one time, up past Glenfield. You know, you, you've got Preston's right near Leppington. Um, you've got Rabi um, back down south of Ingleburn. You've got Hinchinbrook, once again, up near um, Preston's. Um, Narlin Vale. Um, you've got Hoxton Park. You've got Hor Horningsea Park. So that kind of um, not peninsula, but you know how if you if you know Sydney, you know that Campbelltown kind of is like a little bit of a wedge flanked on e each side by, um, well, let's go to satellite view. On the right-hand side, there's forests, and is that a national park? Yep, Darravel National Park and Heathcote National Park. They're not going to cut down the national park, I can tell you for sure. So it's landlocked on that side, and on the left-hand side, there is some parkland. Um, sorry, not parkland, there are some farms. So that's again, once once again, that's the risk. And that's why before buying anywhere, you should always call council, get a really good understanding of zoning, get a really good understanding of building approvals, get a really good understanding of developable land supply, their appetite for more development. You don't want a Stockland to come in and build like, you know, 50 million houses. Well, I do hope that was um, illuminating, guys. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to go through it. And, you know, it's kind of unique content, so I hope you're vibing with it. Before I sign out for this week, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for being with me. Please, you know, give it a review on iTunes and on Spotify. I love re reading them. Like just the other day, someone left one. Um, they said, highly recommended anyone wanting to take property investing seriously and secure a financially comfortable future to listen to all of PK's content. He drops knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb, easily explains often complex information. Another one, PK always has high quality content in his podcast and YouTube videos that you can't find anywhere else. He's a real genuine person and uh, to help people get ahead in their property investing game. Get onto it, everyone. So those are a couple of, you know, really nice reviews by Sam Boy and another one so that is named your boy Dan the man so thank you guys I really appreciate it and I'll see you next week catch you later